Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm Yahtzee Crozier. I'm joined by Marty Slaver. Hey, everybody. And this week on Slightly Something Else, we're talking about the state of licensed games, possibly connected to the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy has just come out and both Mm -hmm. I and Marty have played through it. Yep. Before we get into that, though, uh, remember, The Escapist very much appreciates your donations. So uh, if you give us any money for super chats because you want something read out or a specific question answered we will be tackling those from about the halfway point of the podcast so get those in and remember we have uh, that sort of shit is why we're able to make the content we want instead of chasing algorithms all the time yep super chats allowed us to do uh, stuff like adventure is nigh and nick uh, wearing cat ears and playing persona 5 so well it certainly isn't view figures (laughs) that means we can do adventure is nigh (laughs) We're, you savages aren't telling your friends about it, are you? Uh, I guess the algorithm just doesn't like that kind of thing. Algae rhythm. All praise the algorithm. God bless its benevolent wisdom. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I don't want to go into too much detail on, because it is an upcoming review of mine. Mm-hmm. What did it, you... did, it did just come out today, so we're not going to be spoiling anything, obviously. Well, I'd hope not. What did you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. I have a 3MR on the site now and, and on uh, YouTube you can check out. But uh, to me, it felt uh, refreshingly simple compared to a lot of the bloat that seemingly every action-adventure game has in 2021. That sort of Ubisoftification of, of added uh, RPG systems and progression and a giant map and a million side quests to keep track of. And those are all well and good. But I sort of missed when we also had games that were just simple and linear. And uh, yeah, Guardians kind of reminds me of like a game I would have really dug during the PS3 and 360 generation. And I, I mean that in like a, a, a nice and, and supportive way. I feel like this happens a lot. You seem to really like a game and then I have to throw water all over it. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please do. Because, I mean, as I said, it's my review next week, but what I will say Uh now is that it's not an open world, it's true. It is the other thing that every AAA single-player game is these days. Which you can also see in stuff like The Last of Us, or um, uh, the Tomb Raider reboots, or the new God Mm -hmm. of War. It's a third-person game that's basically just like a string of switching between... Uh, various different modes. It's got a combat mode, which is like a samey arena. It's got walking very slowly down corridors, bantering about stuff that's happening in the plot mode, which involves a lot of squeezing down narrow passages for some reason. I mean, that's, that has to be a loading technique, right? Because like I, I feel like I've played 10,000 games where you got to squeeze through things. It is, it is so fucking blatantly a loading yeah. thing because yeah. all these, uh, all they can do with these slow walk through environments thing is make the environments really pretty so the rendering engine has to take a little breather every now and again 
it's funny, even uh, uh, a couple months ago, I think when uh, Epic showed off the whatever the new Unreal Engine is, Unreal 5, uh, and they showed off the first tech demo, and it was like a girl in a cave, and then even she sh- was shimmying yeah. along this wall, and I'm like, this is supposed to be the future of gaming, we're still going through these fucking crevasses. Always the bloody shimmying. <laughs> but yes, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is, I guess what... I would generally expect of a licensed game in any period of his, of gaming, which is like it takes the standard template for a game that is current, mm-hmm. and it slaps uh, the uh, uh, recognition on it. Although I will concede, licensed games are in a better place than they were in previous years. Yeah, and like from the beginning. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny that licensed games. Uh, I feel have have some of the most notorious reputations behind them, going back to you know ET on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Well, which... Say even that's an outlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's not. But many, if you think many licensed games bring down the entire Western games industry, no, that's true. And then have to like uh, 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 you know supposedly be buried in a landfill in New Mexico. That's true. Uh, there was a documentary. But- yeah, that's right. But we had that, and we have uh, Superman 64, which are probably, if people say, like, what's the worst game of all time, those feel like those are, like, 1A and 1B that people just go to. Mm. Um, and so it's funny that, uh, you know, despite a couple, you know, rocks on the chin, uh, at the same time, when people say, you know, what are the best games of all time? Of if, When people look at the past decade, they'll say stuff like Spider-Man, and they'll say stuff like the Arkham games, or going back to Knights of the Old Republic, so... I feel like licensed games have had very high highs and very low lows. Well, back in the olden days, video games was always much more of a side thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the action figures or the lunchboxes. Mm-hmm. They just say, the owners of the IP would just say, sure, we'd like some of your money. And then give the okay to make to hack out some crap. These days, and everything's it's... a bit more integrated, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, it can't be... Uh... You know, there were so many of those like platformers I played on a kid as a kid. You know, on the NES or, or Super Nintendo or PS One generation, and it just felt like they had a game. And then right at the twenty fifth hour, they were like, "Oh, by the way, can we make this a, a Batman game to coincide with the Batman eighty nine movie coming out?" And they're like, "Sure." Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, this doesn't have anything to do with Batman." Yeah. Back then, the template was the platformer. In later yeah. years, the template yeah. was the third person shooter. Not too long ago, the template was the God of War style game. That's true. Yeah, yeah, like a pure hack and slash. And then this, it, it feels like Guardians kind of falls under the the Naughty Dog template. Yeah, I, I would say of all those you mentioned, I think it's the most like early Uncharted games. Yeah, it's either the open world or the uh, the Naughty Dog standard. Yeah, but it is interesting how how licensed games now feel like they're uh, they, they are very rarely like a direct tie in with a movie. Like we never got an Avengers Endgame you yes. know, video game yes. or anything like that, or any games based off like the Snyderverse or even the modern Star Wars movies. Well, since it is all now much more integrated, I mean, I'm sure there's a huge overlap between people who work in visual effects and people who <laughs> work in video games these days. I guess since it's all integrated, it feels more like the video gamers and the movies have to work more as a partnership rather than the video games just like fobbing off the movie. Yeah. Not, not just repeating yeah. the movie verbatim, it has to be part of the universe. It's own little mm-hmm. sectioned off part. And from that comes some really good stuff. I want to say the first time that really produced something really good was probably um, Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Which is actually a 
sounds amazing to say, but it's actually in a really good game. <laughs> Much better than the fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a funny one because like Vin Diesel had a like a lot to do with the game and he was really passionate about it. Oh, and so yeah, they, they, they uh... did have crossover with the with the you know movie team and the, it wasn't like a uh you know church and state separation between them at all. Yeah, he's a big gamer, that Vin Diesel. Mm -hmm. But that's my point. Like this is uh that's when time moved on to the point that people who'd grown up playing video games were now the ones making the decisions and uh, mm -hmm. controlling the IPs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like there's uh it, it feels like both games and movies now work on these much longer and more visible timelines like uh you know Marvel will come out and be like here's the release date of all of our movies and Disney shows for the next 5 years. Mm. And then at the same time, you know, we'll have uh Sony release trailers for the Spider-Man 2 game by Insomniac and the Wolverine game. The Wolverine game probably won't be out until 2023, 2024. Um, mm. So I, f I feel like these companies are able to work on, on much longer timelines than they were before. It's not just like, oh, you have a year to, to make this game to make it release coincide with X movie coming out next summer. Yeah, well, that was arguably the problem with E.T., wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was like, you have exactly. six weeks. You have six <laughs> weeks to make this game for the Christmas period. Yeah, the only, and the only thing we'll tell you about the movie is that he likes to fall in holes a lot. So make yeah. sure you include lots of holes to fall into. Oh yeah, lots yeah. of holes, and um, occasionally small boys come over and kick him in the stomach. Yeah, that's, which is that's exactly the ET director's cut I remember growing up on. So he actually played, he actually played ET the game because I have. Uh, I've I've played like literally thirty seconds of it on an emulator and was yeah. like, oh okay, this doesn't seem fun at all. Me too. I, I was doing yeah. my like uh, zero punctuation stories from gaming history and i thought well a responsible journalist would at least play some of the game themselves and yes it's as bad as uh as anyone says yeah but i have to imagine there's probably a million games that were just as bad at the time but i it's guess something. didn't have the massive profile of of the biggest movie in the country well yeah i mean uh at the time a 2600 was giving out dev kits to everyone everyone was licensing <laughs> everything there were games based on kool-aid man there yeah was a, there yeah was a johnson and johnson tooth defenders game <laughs> there was a lot of weird ones there was even going into the 90s you had cool spot the seven up game you oh, had the domino's pizza cool game with the noid yeah that was the platform era of licensed games yeah yeah and we did get some good ones out of there like we did get you know people look back really fondly on uh ducktales uh, uh mm. early capcom games doing the same thing with uh like the aladdin tie-in movie tie-in game which was one of the versions directed by shinji mikami who would go on to direct you know resident evil and resident evil 4 and the evil within which is a weird place to start for that guy but i guess enjoyed the, those games i guess the lesson there was that there's nothing particularly stopping a licensed game from being good it just needs a no. good someone who's good at designing games designing the game yeah yeah and you even if you go into like any kind of retro arcade that still exists you're gonna see cabinets and a lot of them are licensed things and not just like pinball machines or anything but uh when you look at the beat-em-ups of that era you know you had simpsons games and teenage mutant ninja turtles games and x-men games and you know the beat-em-up again like the platformer was a very simple genre that you could slap pretty much anything onto but as long as you give it a little bit of like TLC and fan service, not fan service in like the anime way, but no one's like Marge isn't doing weird stuff or anything. Don't worry. But, uh, you know, those games kind of stand the test of time. Yeah. Those side on brawlers are probably slightly higher effort than the standard platformers. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the memorable ones that, uh, folks, folks still go to. 
have, uh, you, have you been in an arcade lately? Not since the pandemic, but like shortly, you know, probably like a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah. And last time I was in one, they had a fucking doodle jump machine. It, I absolutely noticed the biggest, newest machines were all just massive versions of like iPhone games. Yeah. There was an Angry Birds one. There was like a cut the rope or where's my water, all this stuff. It was insane. Well, like that's, it's, it's, that's what the common man thinks of as games these days. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and arcades, which is funny. Arcades were really oh, just the original gadget game, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, so that maybe it makes sense that uh, there's a dialogue between that and then, you know, free to play mobile games. Which is mobile is another place that uh, we you see licensed, you know, things strapped onto match three puzzle games or or uh, you know deck builders or character collector games. Oh, um, yeah, I see and that. You all, see that all the time. Yeah, I see yeah. Time like those ads for games where you unlock characters from Marvel and they do <laughs> a sort of menu based battle system thing, and yeah. they would very much like all of your money. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Disney sort of has a corner on that. There's there's ones with, you know, traditional animated Disney characters and Star Wars and Marvel, and it's just, uh, yeah, just kind of never-ending. And then the other place you see licensed stuff pop up all the time now is within other games, um, mm. like Fortnite probably being the biggest, uh, not culprit, but the biggest uh, proponent of that, where it seems like every month Fortnite aligns itself with whatever the biggest thing on the planet is. So, like, instead of... You know, whipping together uh, uh, an, an Eternals video game for the movie that's coming out next week, you'll see those characters pop up in Fortnite. And well, it's, that's their sort of brand synergy with it. I suppose it's easier than making your own. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and then, there's like no, there's no risk of failure, right? I guess not. And then there's shit like Dead by Daylight, which exactly licenses yeah. absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. That's another funny thing has been. Uh, because uh, horror movies just seemed like the kind of thing that would, you know, easily translate into uh, horror games. And then, yeah, you do see that with... Uh, well, uh, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had, again, we had a lot of bad ones. We had a bad Nightmare on Elm Street game, a sort of notorious mm, yeah. uh, NES Friday the 13th game. Uh, yeah, some 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 pretty weird ones. But then you have a bunch of co-op things in the works. Uh, you have Evil Dead, like we mentioned Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, there was a Predator game a couple years ago. Friday the 13th was good. It was good, yeah. yeah. Pity, the, pity they can't add any more content to it because of legal shit. Yeah, they're still trying to figure that out, like with the original writer of the first movie and who actually owns that. And, yeah, yeah it's kind it's, of a mess. Yeah, it's like the whole Aliens thing. Who owns yeah, Aliens? Exactly. When George Lucas exactly. owns Star Wars, who owns Geiger's Alien? <sighs> yeah, that's. I feel like that could go to several like, different people. Yeah, there's like 19 different people. Was it James yeah. Cameron? Is it Ridley Scott? Is it Dan O'Bannon, uh, yeah. the screenwriter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that is sort of an interesting place to go to. And it is it, another thing that's interesting when we're talking about licensed games, bringing up Alien, is when it seems like out of the blue an old license can come back and, and sort of be reinvigorated, which we saw with, uh, you know, we, we've had Alien Isolation, and then we had the Alien Fire Team. Yeah, whatever that game was called. I bet Alien Isolation came out around the same time as Shadow of Mordor. And I remember saying at the time, what is this? Why are all the licensed games good now? When did that happen? I think it started happening actually earlier than than you think. I think we got a wave in the in the 2000s that 
produced some games that, again, I don't know if that's nostalgia blinders, but people look back super fondly on uh, a couple of the Lord of the Rings games that came out alongside the movies, like mm. alongside the Two Towers and Return of the King. Uh, Spider-Man 2, which sort of really brought in that, that free-form swinging mechanic. Oh, yeah. I loved Spider-Man 2. I could play that for hours. Yeah, take, absolutely. For sake of leave the story campaign, but I'd like hurry to get oh, to the yeah. end of it. And yeah. Just swing around the city all the time. And especially compared to, you know, uh, it, you know, it did the open world thing that every post game or every game post GTA 3 did, but it did it. Uh, the, the swinging mechanic was just so fun. It, it felt like moving in Tony Hawk where you're like, I don't care what I'm doing. This just feels good to control this character. You know, I've said that before about that game. What that game did right, as opposed to other Spider-Man sandbox games that came after mm -hmm. it, was that it treated the movement mechanics like it was an extreme sports game, like Tony Hawk rather yeah. than just, you know, a Spider-Man game about beating up crooks. So you yeah. have, like, race challenges and stunt challenges because it mm -hmm. knew that the fun part of that gameplay was moving around and traversing like Spider-Man. Yeah, because when you got down to, like, the actual combat, that's just every other game. Yeah. Like, every game has you just beating up thugs. Yeah, biff, bash, pot. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, of course, so yeah, it's another licensed game, Batman Arkham Asylum, to create a new wave of combat systems that... Yeah, yeah. Still fairly simplistic, but deceptively uh, deceptively so. So it actually feels like actually really satisfying to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the smartest thing was, was, you know, taking that... For the original Arkham Asylum, especially, uh, like the, the way that game unfolded is it, it just very much unfolds like a 3D Metroidvania in terms of, uh, you know, locking away your powers and abilities, uh, uh, you know, behind certain locked doors. And then once you get them, little bits of the world open up and you're doubling back on yourself and everything so it sort of just added i guess like a, a layer of of design uh i don't know expertise to it that 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 felt just a little bit something past the simple beat em up or run down a hallway and you know kick the shit out of these guys before you move on to the next level mm. you know before that i would i would have said the formula for doing well with the license stuff was not to overthink it like I said, they yeah. just take whatever was the uh, the most tried and tested gameplay design and just slap a face on it, and that would mm -hmm. usually do. Because when they try to overthink yeah. it, the result would usually be terrible. That, yeah, yeah. That was the problem with E.T. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently even Steven Spielberg said, why didn't you just make a shitty maze game and stick the mm -hmm. stick a face on it? <laughs> and, that, and I feel like kids would have been fine. They were brought it yeah. home, and they're like, oh, it's E.T. Yeah. That would have done. But instead, they went in for this whole... I don't even know what it was supposed to be, like a sort of pseudo-adventure exploration thing where you had to avoid the FBI and explore a, a lot of holes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious if anyone on that team even saw that movie. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just like, well, let's just assume what this movie's about and then we'll make a game based on that. It's possible they were just given like a script and some like yeah. concept art. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, um, and that's a... Nightmare on Elm Street game, or that Friday the 13th game on the NES, mm -hmm. I feel like overthought the premise a little bit. God, what was... Well, I, I can't remember. I remember the the Friday the 13th game vividly. I can't remember exactly mechanically what, what you're doing well, with Nightmare you, on Elm Street. In Nightmare on Elm Street... Well, actually, I haven't played the NES one. I played one on the Commodore 64, which was sort of a top-down thing where you had to explore a building and collect items and... Um, and it incorporated uh, mechanics from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. So you oh, chose okay. a character to play as, and you'd have like a special ability based on their special power. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it wasn't uh, very interesting. 
you weren't diving into people's dreams like in Psychonauts. It wasn't Tim Schafer presenting a, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, that would have been cool. Sort of Persona style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Into people's sort of <laughs> mental realms and making them better people. Okay, I like all this. We shouldn't have said that. We kept that one in our back pocket. Um, it, it, another, when you were mentioning sort of games, uh, uh, trying to be ambitious and failing, which I don't know if that's exactly what E.T. was, but uh, uh, an example of a game that sticks out in my mind like that was the Enter the Matrix. Do you remember that? that oh, coincided with yeah. like the second and third Matrix movies. Yeah, that and... was a that was full on crossover stuff, wasn't it? Because they were yeah, trying yeah. to build this whole cinematic a multimedia universe. Yeah, yeah, and they had a bunch of scenes that the Wachowskis directed that were sort of in there, and that was the only way you got to find out about these two characters who were introduced in uh, in the second Matrix movie. And uh, but but when it came down to gameplay, it was kind of just like bad max pain yeah. that's been tried a few times the whole multimedia universe not so much not even yeah. just the cinematic universe but the multimedia universe where you have to read the books and the comics and play the video games and watch the movies to get the full story yeah and then God, what was like 10 years ago there was like an mmo that launched the same day as like a sci-fi channel series oh do you remember that and it was the whole thing was you needed to like do both of them in order to understand the story and i don't think either one made it six months i think Someone will say the title and I'll instantly remember it, but I forgot. Yeah, I, yeah. the title slips me by for now. Or um, Defiance. Defiance. Thank you. Yeah, Gary. that's it. Yeah. The other one that brings to mind is uh, Quantum Break, where they tried to integrate yeah. the gameplay with a live-action TV series included with the game, and it never works because you know people go to these things for different reasons. <laughs> you want yeah, TV shows they... to veg out. You don't want to play video games to uh, stimulate the senses. Yeah, and like with kind of break, they tried to get like known actors, like they got the dude from Game of Thrones and one of the other dudes from X Men, but just yeah, I don't know, it just didn't work. It and did. then they came back and did uh, you know Control afterwards, which had some live action stuff, but sort of in all the the, all stuff. their games have live action stuff. Sometimes I think that they'd rather true. just yeah. be making live action stuff. <laughs> I was certainly Devin the vibe Kojima? I got yeah. from Quantum Break. Yeah. You know, it's almost like licensed games in AAA space, at least, are almost the majority these days. Because we're falling into the same problem of Hollywood, where everything needs to make the most money, so everything has to have a recognisable face. So all, half, I feel like half the upcoming announcements are based on comic book properties, or movie uh -huh. properties, or whatevs. Yeah, it felt like... Uh, uh... You know, in the 80s and 90s, it felt like a licensed game usually had to be tied directly to a product. And like we were mentioning movies or, you know, cartoons or whatever. Um, whereas now it's just IP is king. And that's yeah, what you see yeah. with every movie being remade. And, and you know, the 9 out of 10, probably 19 out of 20 of the highest grossing movies of the year are going to be just based on something. Like yeah. either a sequel or a remake or anything like that. Recognize this, you sheep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it exactly that doesn't thing. mean that the games are going to be oh no god <laughs> it is the thing you like yeah recognize consume obey do not question yeah and if if the game turns into something interesting then like that's great but if uh it's entirely you know, related to uh what it's based on if it's if yeah. it's good it's because a good game designer was making it yeah yeah and then and obviously there's no like you know obvious wins because you would have thought on paper an avengers game made by the people who made tomb raider that'll be really good and then that came out and it's been a disaster for a year but if, personally if, I, I think yeah. guardians of the galaxy fares a lot better than it well it could be worse indeed it was worse when marvel avengers came out mm -hmm. 
But you know, every new like AAA game being licensed property feels like it fits very well because that's what the AAA industry is these days. It's no longer a craftsman's industry. It feels like everything in the AAA space is made from this guy's engine and this guy's IP and this guy's like tried and tested gameplay mechanics, and it's all stitched together from templates and box ticking exercises. And no, and no one really like builds their games from the ground up like they do in the indie space. And I completely agree with that. And budgets are so huge that you kind of have to make something that sells five to ten to fifteen million copies. Otherwise, yeah. you can't recoup the the development cost of you know hundreds of people working on a game for several years. Someone's squeezing the money out of the process yeah. in between the cracks there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you like seeing like. I don't know, it feels like Insomniac is finally getting the recognition they deserve uh, with that, that's, that's coming from Spider-Man games where, you know, certain things like Sunset Overdrive didn't really get the time of day. Because um, it, like it was kind of lame and maybe... It, it was not kind of lame. It was not kind of lame. I, I will not take that, that. Look, if you want to die on this hill, then be my <laughs> guest. But I've got a big old mortar ready for this one. <laughs> I hate, um, I hate Sunset Overdrive. As a comedy writer, it rubs me up in all the wrong places. I think we've talked about this before, and I know it's the worst thing to hear, but I think the problem was you played as the guy character. And I think the guy character is, like, I completely agree with all that. For some reason, his writing and his delivery just really irked me. Whereas I thought it, uh, uh, whoever voiced the, the female character, I thought it was great. Well, it's possible. I do like Saints Row so much because I'd always play as the English Cockney-accented man. See, why can't all games just allow that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> what was I saying? Uh, oh, the studios, though. Uh, uh, you know, another massive uh, IP game on the horizon is uh, uh, Project 007, which is the, the IO Interactive, the, oh, yes. the Hitman folks. Oh, yes. The um, guys who only do Hitman and nothing else now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that fits. James Bond, like high-class environments, sneaking yeah. around doing sneaky things. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that, that that checks out. But at the same time, like that'll probably be their, you know, assuming nothing goes wrong, that'll probably be their best selling game ever. So by by quite a large margin. So Do, I don't uh, know. I guess it's I don't know. What's nice the, to see folks get paid. What's the state of James Bond right now? I mean, no one does anyone really care that much anymore. I, the funny thing is, I like James Bond, but I liked it as a kid, and I just don't know. Do kids growing up give a shit about James Bond? Like well, I can't a, imagine they do. Even when it's trying to be. Like modern Daniel Craig, gritty, parkouring mm -hmm. James Bond. It still feels so tied to a previous era, that whole James Bond thing. Yeah. And the whole yeah, concept well, and of like this like super spy who's like steadfastly loyal to their country feels almost archaic in the modern age of international discourse. Yeah, and like the the, the five Craig movies like tried to sort of unpack that and, yeah. and everything but at the same time it is still about that um which is kind of a, a silly thing and the other yeah and i'm just reminded that the uh the wolfenstein developers are also making an indiana jones game which is another thing that i'm not sure do any kids care about indiana jones like yeah. well it was deliberately pulp from the beginning it was based on like old serials yeah so... yeah so there's a lot of kind of slapstick and, and visual comedy in it I, I guess because it's like based on a specific era, there's a sort of universal timeless quality to it. 
unintuitively, I'll admit. Yeah. You couldn't imagine them doing what they do with James Bond, like having Indiana Jones being 30 years old in the modern era, doing his archaeology thing. That's something that's yeah. very specifically tied to the era it, it's set in. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so that's actually a really good point. So yeah. it's timeless as any other World War II uh, concept, I suppose. Yeah. I just don't know if, like, I don't know. I Like, those those movies I watched, like, ad nauseum growing up as a kid, and I don't know if, do kids just watch superhero movies now? Is this just instead of Indiana I Jones, like, they've watched Spider-Man a hundred times? I feel like if you showed Indiana Jones to the kids these days, they'd probably find a lot to like in them. There's, I would imagine, there's yeah. There's humor, there's adventure, there's fantasy. It's got yeah. stuff for everyone. Yeah. One of them's got a monkey. It's great. Yeah. It's one of them's got Kids monkeys look. having their brain scooped out and eaten. Yeah, exactly. So even if you so it's got stuff for people who like monkeys and people yeah. with a vendetta against monkeys. Yeah. Bring the whole family in. <laughs> monkey Both sides of the monkey coin. Yeah, monkey lovers and haters alike. <laughs> Finally the thing to to bring our divided country together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's also funny the like when you're looking at licensed games that we're going to be getting soon that there's an avatar game in development and i just for some reason still find that extremely funny because i, I know, know that I, movie made a billion dollars but it, i just don't understand i keep hearing about it and, and they, we always hear about how like all the sequels to this movie are in the works but that was like the the definition of a flash in the pan yeah no one talked about it since like the year after it came out nope and it's, uh, I guess, I mean, James Cameron's really excited for it, though. You seen the trailer for the upcoming um, Outcast sequel? Uh, I have not, no. It looks like they're just making Avatar the game. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's another game. But that's another thing where they're just slapping a name onto something that just looks like a standard open world of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shame, because the original Outcast was like a sort of... Uh, notable title for the sort of uh, outside the box stuff it did it was uh yeah it was a voxel game didn't see many yeah, of those right. these days yep 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 yeah and i feel like it tried a lot of ideas that were probably a little bit ahead of their time and and may have felt undercooked but eventually became things we see in games now so we talked about like the triple a license games i'm trying to think of examples of movies and stuff that have been adapted in the indie space because the only one that leapt Very to mind, few. the only one that leapt to mind was John Wick Hex. Yeah, yeah, by by Mike Bithell. Um yeah. and it, it's kind of surprising to me that uh you know Star Wars and Marvel and these kind of things don't you know when the, when they're uh, spreading their wings and letting Ubisoft make a game and Square make a game and Insomniac make a game that they don't look and let these smaller teams, especially proven indies like mm. Bithell, you know, is and was um you know, take a stab at, at something like that, because I think it'd be really cool to see like what Marvel and Star Wars games are like on a smaller, more like, like you were mentioning earlier, handcrafted scale. I think you'd have a better chance of really standing out if it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Something that's like completely like bespoke built, mm -hmm. built around the concept from the ground up rather than just the templates. Yeah. People yeah. mentioning Terminator resistance being, um, astonishingly not horrible. Mm hmm. Yeah, Mummy Demastered, that was another one. There was also an Alien game for the 3DS that was really interesting that uh, might have been the regular DS, but uh, where you only had a certain amount of, you had to like, uh, every time you died, you became another person, like another crew member on the ship, mm -hmm. and there was only a finite number of crew members. So, like, it was sort of a roguelike in that, in that respect, but kind of existing in the frame of the world. 
You know, thinking about it, asking like a licensed game to be something like creative and interesting is almost like a, a zero-sum game because the very nature of getting someone else to adapt someone else's intellectual property means they don't have like the sort of creative investment in it. And yeah, sort of everything needs the sort of Vin Diesel situation where the original creator is invested and gets involved in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's impossible for an adapter to have a creative interest in the thing. Like, I, I, I you know, I'd say that the the Rocksteady team behind the, especially the first two Arkham games, like, mm. clearly really cared about the source material and everything. Yeah, I guess it's just like, you know, being a fan of the source. Um, being a fan as opposed to being the source, yeah. Alien Isolation springs to mind. Although I think, yeah, fall, yeah. I think in that case, you sometimes fall into a trap where the product feels like it's too much in love with itself because it's created mm -hmm. by fans. I've always yeah, thought, yeah. I've always thought that about new Doctor Who. Old Doctor Who was always like a sort of much more flawed and doddering character, but then once it was being made by people who'd grown up as fans of that show, suddenly the show, well, it just feels like something that's in love with itself and the Doctor's... Like this amazing universe conquering Superman. It's like giving the keys to the fanboys. Like ultimately it's like, is this a good idea? Or is That's, this a bad idea? Which is something that inevitably is going to happen because the old creators are going to age out or die and eventually the fanboys oh, are going to hold the keys. And then, you yeah, get, like, I mean, that, I guess that's how like power acceleration happens in comic books. Yeah. Yeah. And even like I imagine, everyone who's directing these new Star Wars, the Star Wars movies since Episode Seven, are all fans of Star Wars. Like obviously, J.J. Abrams grew up on it, and you know Ryan Johnson and folks like that. Mm. Yeah, I would say the Star Wars sequel trilogy also has that vibe of being a bit too much in love with the source material. Yep, yep, yep. Especially, especially the first and third movie. Yeah, I was about to say, with the exception of the second one, they really wanted to try to s subvert to the point of wanting <laughs> to subvert for the sake of subversion, which. Is its own problem, but you know, at that point, it's a whole, it's a, it's a whole different problem. Yeah, and so, it is funny too because uh, uh, talking about the movies, uh, you know, growing up, it was always a, a one-way street. It felt like the the movie or the TV show or the comic became the game, hmm. whereas now we have the game becoming all of those things. Like we just got our <laughs> Uncharted trailer for the movie and. You know, we have Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog and feels like The Witcher. And it just feels like we get, you know, trailers for these new series and movies and anime and everything based on games. So it feels like instead of being that one way street, it's now just a big folks, old ideas constantly going back yeah, and forth. It's a big yeah. old incestuous gangbang now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the 12 minutes of vacation. Everything yeah. going back and forth and uh, jerking off with handfuls of bloodstained money. Anyway. <laughs> Is that what incest is like? <laughs> well, I don't know what, how you're doing it. I don't know. I know. Yeah, man, I need to get the secret ending of 12 minutes and figure that out. Oh, people in the chat mentioning the Doctor Who game that just came out. I had a quick oh, go of that because yeah. I was short on stuff to talk about. Uh -huh. It's it's very, very bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Elijah reviewed it for us. He did not enjoy it. I mean, this is a game that's like first person and um, default mouse movement is like set to the lowest setting and there's no controls for it in the options yeah why yes. why would you want that I, yeah and uh yeah just bad fundamentally bad on every level mm. well let's uh get on to super chats they're, they're coming in thick and fast oh no thank you thick very much fast. thank you very much everyone 
As I said, we very much appreciate you supporting the site. Go down to the first one, which came from Here's QB, who gives $2 to ask, do you plan on reviewing Pokemon Legends Arceus? No, I do not. Here's QB, thanks for the money. I'm very much looking forward to it. You... And I'm looking forward to the Pokemon game, the, the little remakes of Diamond and Pearl this fall. You reviewing that one? Uh, I, yeah, sure. If they give us if they give us copies of it, that'd be great. Get on it, Nick. Go yeah. yell at Miyamoto-san. Yeah, be a bug in Nintendo's ear. That's <laughs> what else are we paying you for? There you go. Uh, Sky Guy six seven five gives two Great British pounds to ask which of the two Middle Earth games was better. I assume I mean the two Shadow of such and such games, because there's been quite a few uh, Lord of the Rings games. Yeah, there was like the Battle for Middle-Earth, which were strategy games, and then there was the ones based on the movies, and then there were the Shadow of Mordor games, yeah. So people keep asking why the thing that, what is the thing that says Black Mesa behind me? Yeah, well, is it a book? Yeah, is this, this is the mocked-up Black Mesa PC box art that was sent to me by the developers. Look at that. As, as thanks for talking it up. Aw. It was never actually sold in stores with this, they just mocked it up to feel special. That's really cool. I think that's very cute. Yeah, I think that's super cool. Because I used to do that. It's like draw my own comic book covers as a kid. Ah, that's awesome. Um, where are we? Uh, Slade. Oh, sorry. We were asking which of the two Middle Earth games was better. Well, the first one, I'd say. Second one's a bit bloaty. And uh, I don't think I've ever actually finished it because it because uh, there's a certain point in the plot where it just goes and now the adventure continues and then just goes on. And that, yeah, and at that point you could be like, well, okay, I, I understand everything the game was going for. Yeah. Uh, I am excited to see what they do next because that second one came out in like 2017 and we haven't even gotten an announcement on what their next game is yet. So, Huh, wonder what they're yeah. working on. Yeah. Maybe it's something very special. Ooh. Maybe we'll use that fucking uh, Nemesis system trademark <laughs> that only they can use apparently. <laughs> Uh, Slate Plays Games gives five US dollars to say, Hey, Yatsi, glad to see you feeling better. Is there any game that has been highly requested but you won't review it? What's the reason why? Oh, yeah, I think people are all, uh, constantly requesting stuff. For a while, someone in the chat of all my videos kept requesting me to review Hunipop, which I didn't because, it, because it's a Japanese porn game. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if, if we could raise enough money for Nick to play Persona 5, I'm sure there's a price tag for you to review Japanese porn. It was a lot of fun to jerk off to. The end. <laughs> uh, James Matchett gives $5 to ask, during the PS2 stroke Xbox and the early PS3 stroke Xbox 360 eras, there seemed to be endless movie tie-ins. Now there isn't. Why do you think that is? I don't know what industry you're, you're talking about, James Matchett. We've been spending this whole podcast saying there's tons of tie-ins all the time. Yeah, I think you might be talking about direct, like we were talking about those a direct game colon the movie or the movie colon the game. Oh yeah. Whereas now we just have the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, which have the same characters as the movies, but right, you know, aren't based on the movie. Yeah, I guess that period you're talking about was sort of the crossover when uh, the people who didn't actually have much respect for games were supplanted by the people who did and wanted to take mm -hmm. an interest in the design of stuff. Because that was around the time Chronicles of the Riddick Butcher Bay came out. Uh, and, that's right, uh, yeah. And set the standard. And Spider-Man 2, of course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those would have been the, the last gasp of the non-video game understanders. Yep. 
and uh, like we mentioned earlier, I think a lot of those uh, direct movie tie-ins went to mobile. Mm, yeah, there yeah. you go. So just avoid it for all the usual reasons we avoid mobile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loki Akai gives five dollars uh, to say, "Have a pint." Oh, with fi- with five dollars, Loki Akai. <laughs> well, that won't be a very long pint. <laughs> I won't go around all the staff. I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, SVS Guru 2000 gives 20 euros to say games based on films have a similar problem that films based on games have. Linear stories don't translate to game mechanics while gameplay doesn't translate to a passively watched film. Games usually also have bad stories. Well, they have bad stories when they try to tell a story through the language of film. I'll agree with that. <laughs> Video games have very good stories when they play to the strengths of interactive narrative. Yep. Yeah, I but I, I agree with a lot of a lot of what SVS Guru said. Yeah, as yep. I, I think I said before, they are two fundamentally different ways of telling stories. So obviously, you're going to run into tro- problems trying to translate uh, the one to the other. I guess don't tell uh, that to our good friend Hideo Kojima. I guess the Indiana Jones LucasArts adventure games are pretty good. Yeah, adventure games almost seemed like the genre that was most yeah cinematic in a way and i guess now we have the you know david cage is doing his his version of yeah now we have interactive the, movie now we have the cinematic game i would classify yeah. guardians of the galaxy as an example of what's the new yep. cinematic game absolutely even yeah. if you're interacting with it a lot of times it's just the game is just giving you the story while you do mild interactions i'm full of fucking set pieces and predetermined action stuff if it's, if it's not flat out quick time event sequences, it's point in this direction and push forward. And if you do anything else, yep. you will die and start again. Yep. The ch- RIP. Yeah. I will say, though, I think the writing in the game is very good. I like those characters quite a bit. I will say it has its moments. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a there's a fucking lot of writing in that game. So you've got to hope. There is a lot of writing. Yeah. Every yeah, fucking every fucking moment. Banter, banter, banter. I think 90% of the banter conversations I interrupted because I just wanted to press forward at a slightly but slightly more than slow walking pace. Listen, when a raccoon is, when a raccoon is uh, 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 turned into a scientific experiment for long enough, he just wants to talk. He just wants to, to gab a little bit. Clearly. I mean, there's some parts of that game where they're talking up the stuff that's about to happen so much, I assume they're setting up a joke. Like, they're talking up the next big boss fight, saying, ooh, I heard he's a gigantic monster, I heard he's got teeth the size of your leg. And they do it so much, I'm thinking, okay, this will only make sense if we now get to the boss fight and it's like a kitten with a bucket on its head. Yeah. But it, it, no, it turned out it was, it was a monster no, with giant teeth. No, it yeah. is a monster with teeth <laughs> as big as your leg. So almost feels like they needn't have bothered. But anyway, that's next week's review. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scavenger, uh, who s- seems to show up a lot on these things, gives $5 to say, Yeah, so you talk about how sequels should use the original as a jumping off point. Should licensed games do that? Try to do better than the source? Well, I, I think I said before, yeah, it's best if the licensed game like sections is off its own part of the IP to tell its own story with. Though having said that, Spider-Man 2 was really good, and that was recounting the plot of the film. Yeah, yeah. 
But I think when you look at something like Star Wars games, like the ones people remember the most are, um, yeah. you know, Knights of the Old Republic and the games that kind of were able to tell their own story. Well, um, people do really like the Lego games, which are... That like, is true, yeah. Invariably, like, retellings of movie plots. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't... We, we didn't talk about the Lego games at all, but they almost seemed like over the last, like, 15, 20 years were the, were the carrying the flame for the licensed game, you know? It seemed like every big property got the lego cone of paint on it from well, harry a, potter to yeah. jurassic park to they, just have a game, they just have a gameplay style that's popular with kids and divorced dads trying to win their kids over yeah so they it. just someday, like, someday i'll get my kids back and they just like, get enough gold studs they just copy paste that and stick the latest ip over it it's the license for printing money for those motherfuckers yeah <laughs> Uh, Eve Daly gives two euros to say Sabrina the Teenage PC game was actually okay. I can only take your word for that, Eve Daly. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize there was a Sabrina the Teenage Witch PC game. Hang on. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Which PC game? Sabrina the Teenage Witch Spellbound, was that it? Came out in 1998. I had some heavy hitters to go up against that year. 3.7 stars on myabandonware.com. <laughs> That's a site? Um, hang on. Oh, there's, there's an Amazon entry for it. <laughs> oh, it's classified as a knowledge adventure game. Incredible. Like The Witness. It's And it's on CD-ROM, so I guess that, that should tell you everything you need to know, I suppose. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had fun with it, Eve Daly. <laughs> Um, I've lost my place. There we go. Channel monetization. Clone tool gives 100 DKK kroner, whatever that is, Denmark, possibly. It seems that early licenses did not care very much about the games. Do you still think this is the case? I mostly think of Jedi Fallen Order, where no person can be cut out, all robot are made of paper. No, no person can be cut, but all robot are made of paper. Uh, I think that's less the the developers not caring about the game and more of uh, when you're making something based on a Disney property, they probably have a long list of rules that you yeah. need to follow. If anything, that's the and Disney I, lawyers caring too much. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, you can't chop up humans, but you can chop up robots. Yeah. I think. So that's, yeah, I, I don't put that one on the developers. I put that one on the, the mouse house. Yeah. I think these days, as we were saying, it's uh, IP is king and, uh, uh, clearly someone usually on the design team of these big IP games like your Spider-Mans or your Batmans are probably a fan of the property. Mm -hmm. Who isn't? Everyone, yeah, and I think everyone he... likes their own personal interpretation of Batman because Batman can literally be any character type. He's gone exactly. through the entire D&D &D alignment chart over the years. Yeah. Batman can, is a Rorschach blot who can be whatever character you prefer. Are you excited for Robert Pattinson Batman? Huh. Do you, do, you, do you like angry emo Batman? I do like quite like Riddler as a character. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a fun personality test that, to drive conversation. Who's your favorite Batman villain? Do you think that sounds like a lot about a person? I think so. I like the cerebral ones. I like Riddler yeah. and Scarecrow best. I like that. Yeah, I like that Batman's, Batman's villains generally didn't have like big muscular superpowers or you know well he's got his uh, fair share of those because as we say batman can do literally everything can do yeah i, I guess when they introduce bane or whatever I mean, yeah yeah 
But I like that. I like his more cerebral villains because I like Clayface, like, who's like a shitty actor who just uses his goop to turn into other things. I like that. Yeah. There's been like nine interpretations of him as well. Yeah. Actually, like guilty pleasure of mine is what uh, Gotham did with uh, characters like Riddler and the Penguin, the TV show. Oh, I only watched the first couple episodes of that. Yeah, it's not really worth sticking with to the end, but uh, it has some fun moments if uh, if you like those particular villains. Yeah, and it, it is even interesting to see, like, see even seeing the new trailer, seeing how they're presenting the Riddler as like the like the, the, the murderer Z- from the Seven. Killer, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know you have uh, Colin Farrell and his weird makeup as the Penguin and everything. I so like, I like uh, how in Gotham they played up like the sort of operatic theatrics, like yeah, facet to the character. But then they had like those versions of Riddler and Penguin having this sort of on and off again homosexual romance. Yeah. <laughs> It was weird, yeah, but, but fun in its own way. There you go. Um, that guy, you know, has $5 to say, I think a good sign for a licensed game is not having to come out alongside the big release of whatever it's licensed from. Yeah, it's a pretty good rule of thumb. I mean, Alien Isolation wasn't really coinciding with anything big. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I think Shadow of Mortal came out around one of the Hobbit movies. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Those movies didn't count, though. No, uh, of course not. Oh, funny. One example uh, One example of this is a game that came out two years after the movie, and probably one of the biggest uh, uh, licensed games of all time was Goldeneye, oh, yeah. which we didn't mention, which, uh, you know, that, that took a, a movie that was relatively popular, and then two years later, we got a, a game adaptation on it that was probably the, you know, up until Halo, the biggest console first-person shooter ever. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Chronicles of Riddick came from Butcher Bay. Yeah. No one remembers the movie because it was shot. No, exactly, exactly. So I think that's almost a, if if you're able to take your time with a game and, and understand that you can make something within the framework of the movie, but still your own, then mm-hmm. it works out. Uh, Scavenger again gives $5 to say, when I think of indie devs and licensed games, I always picture app devs and pay-to-win games, Lord of the Rings, Final Fantasy, My Little Pony, etc. Well, yes, we mentioned that. That's certainly yeah. a facet of the licensed games industry these days. Probably one of the skeevy sides of it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we're talking more about the like proven indie devs that we know and, and, and like. Yeah. And what what could they, again, like the Pithel one, like what could they do with something, uh, you know, if they were given free reign to make a game in any of, of those big IP pools? Mm. It, it's uh, probably a fun exercise for a for a, a craftsman style games developer. Yeah, so, yeah, certainly would be for me. I always like, you know, game design thought experiments. How to how, yeah, how yeah. would one adapt such and such? And I feel like you get a lot of those probably internally at game jams, but they never. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, there's there's too much legalese to to work out uh, how to actually get them to the finish line. Miles Mann gives four ninety nine US dollars to say howdy. I feel the outrun games are being held back because of being tied to a license. Also, can you guys say Irish wristwatch three times fast? Thanks. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish. Ri- I cannot say it. Irish wishwash. Well, thanks. I feel for, like I'm saying thanks for wishwash. <laughs> Do I lose? Is the stream over? <laughs> Uh, the Outrun games, those were those the car games? 
Yeah. Those were like Sega car racing games, those, right? Those, are those tied to a license? I probably not in the sense we're talking about, but uh Yeah, I mean also I guess like sports games are licenses too, right? And like I guess, but that's not really what we're talking about, is it? No, no. Yeah, I'm not sure if Outrun or maybe it's just like a game was made and then the company went solvent and no one knows who owns this thing anymore, which is, I think, mm. one of the reasons why a lot of games aren't on, you know, virtual consoles. Like, even a lot of licensed games aren't available, like, legally on any consoles because the rights are in such, like, a weird well, sort if, of Well, if no one, knows, no one knows who owns it, then that's the time when someone needs to make a gamble, you know? Let's say, exactly. Let's, let's just make the game and cross our fingers and hopefully everyone <laughs> will be too confused to sue. Exactly. Perfect. Scavenger, there's a lot of that. There's quite a few examples of that sort of thing where someone just made something and then people were perfectly entitled to sue, but just didn't, and then yeah, it was permitted to exist because that's because that's how the law works. Someone has to actually action the law for it to be uh, enforced. Yeah, it's like if you if you kill someone in the forest, you can't get in trouble because no one found them. There you go. Why don't you go out and try that right now? <laughs> Wait a minute, I just talked about it. That's not good. Scavenger again gives $5 to say, in the end, which is worse, licensed games that just slap on the name, Simpsons Wrestling, Wayne's World, or try to stay loyal and fail, like Superman 64? Well, I'd say Superman 64 was an example of the overambition I was talking about, when everyone <laughs> would have been perfectly happy with, like, a slapped-on beat-em-up. But they yeah. had to be ambitious with it. And uh, that's not really going to happen in in the world of a studio that's just making shitty licensed game contracts mm -hmm. uh, to make ends meet. They're probably not going to be the ones making the quantum leaps in the games industry. Oh, now you were talking about like the qu a quantum leap as in a concept, not as in the TV show Quantum Leap. Yes. <laughs> Sorry okay. if that's confused. You <laughs> what, I'm saying is that, what I'm saying is that when they try to be all experimental and high concept <laughs> with it, uh, it usually goes wrong because the kind of people who get contracted to make licensed games aren't usually the kinds of people who drive that sort of uh, innovative push. Yep. And uh, like some of those ones Scavenger mentioned, like I do remember that Simpsons wrestling game. It was just like, why? And I think there was a Simpsons skateboarding game. And you're like, oh, you're clearly oh, just trying to, and those games were clearly answers to like the WWF was making wrestling games and Tony Hawk came out and you're like, how do we do this with our characters? And then they just do that. And same thing, there was Wayne's World and, like, home improvement platformers for the yeah. Super Nintendo. And... I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of, so... Oh, quite a lot of Simpsons games. Some occasionally yeah. slightly higher than tolerable. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, you got a similar thing with, like, South Park, where you had a lot of crappy South Park games at first, like uh, a really bad shooter from the Turok guys, and yeah. then that South Park Chef's Love Shack, which was just like a trivia game. Well, it's um, hardly fair to compare those to Seek of Truth or Fractured But Whole, yeah. which were actually yeah. made by the actual creators <laughs> yeah, of South Park. Exactly, exactly. And which are another two games that are really good examples, I think, of, of good licensed games over the past decade or two. Yeah, you can tell they were invested. You can tell they have an actual interest in video games games as a medium mm -hmm. they've referenced and, them in the show a lot exactly well and it was funny because it was ubisoft well i guess the first one was obsidian and the second one was ubisoft uh internal but uh it's the only ubisoft game that ever felt like that which is rare because it feels like now every ubisoft game feels like every other ubisoft game mm. or i guess every new game pulls something from the games that came before it whereas this felt you know wholly unique even its battle system 
What happened to you, Ubisoft? What happened to the Ubisoft that brought us Prince of Persia the Sands of Time? I'm back. They're bringing us Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, uh, well, remaster, which has been delayed. Yeah, well, doesn't that just <laughs> sum it all up? <laughs> uh, that guy, you know, gives two US dollars to say, my abandoned wear can't possibly be this cute. Okay, then. Thanks, Wait, that, that guy, a, you know. Is that a pun? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It's possibly in reference to when we were talking about Sabrina, the PC game earlier. Oh, that's that's too long ago. I can't remember that. That was a whole, like, 15 minutes ago. Stephen Shah gives $2 to say, just made it to the stream, going to the beginning. Well, Whoa. I wish that had been the last Super Chat. That would have been a perfect place to come full circle, but sadly there's two more. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, just two more. So I'm going to say no more Super Chats at this point, please, because we're going to have to wrap stuff up now. If you give any more Super Chats from this point, we'll be very, very grateful, obviously, but we might not read it out. That's that would the be the most the most selfless Super Chat imaginable. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I'm saying that now so you don't think we're rude or anything. Uh, SVS Guru 2000 gives $5 to say, is there any hope for movies based on games that have no story, like Angry Birds, Pac-Man, or Tetris? Well, since you mention it, for a while, Angry Birds was one of the highest rated video game based movies ever, probably mm -hmm. because they could just put whatever the hell story they wanted in it and get by off the IP and the cute animals for the kiddies to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're able to, I, I think you almost have an easier time of being able to slap on whatever kid story you want to, to something and not have to worry about, you know lore or preconceived notions it is weird that they're making a tetris movie but mm. i don't know who, who am i to judge are they making tetris that sounds like a joke uh and i th no i'm pretty sure they are making a tetris movie oh i'm sure I know, some, and they're also making like i'm sure some twat in a suit has earmarked it a bunch of times over the years i wouldn't expect it to ever actually happen mm -hmm. i know at one point uh ridley scott was uh connected to direct a monopoly movie oh yeah and again, yeah. that never emerged because the slightest amount of conversation about it reveals it's a stupid fucking idea. <laughs> Feels like they should have made that uh, or had that conversation before they made the announcement. Optioned. I mean, I'm, let's let's talk like Hollywood insiders here. Optioned is a very, very, very far thing from greenlit. Yeah. I mean, not wishing to like boast or anything, but my books have been optioned. Would be very, would, would be very nice for them to be greenlit, yeah. but that's like a that's like a million steps past that. Yeah. Option is just a studio saying, "Yeah, sure, we might want to adapt this at some point if the mood is right at any point." Yeah. And then doesn't a studio do that also to sort of um, uh, prohibit other people from grabbing it in case they ever do want to do it? Yeah, mainly. Yeah, it's just it's just, it's, really, it's literally just putting their finger on it. It's a very far thing from actually making the film. And most things that are optioned are never greenlit. Hey, but all great movies start with someone putting a finger on it. Well, there you go. <laughs> all great all great humans start off as tiny little sperm. What's your point? That is true. A great that deal of very <laughs> of a great a very hugely large, a much larger number of non-entities also started from sperm. What's your point? <laughs> uh, and finally, Clone Tool again gives 100 kroner to say, are games adapted from books like Witcher and Metro considered licensed? Well, yes. Yeah, it is funny though, because I feel like people think differently about those. 
Like even myself, when I think of licensed games, I wasn't thinking of The Witcher in this conversation or Metro. I think games licensed from books are more likely to turn out good because I happen to think that that games have more in common with books than they do Mm -hmm. with movies or other forms of linear storytelling. And a lot of that is that both video games and books require the audience and the author to sort of meet each other halfway. Yeah. So the book... In video games, the story literally doesn't continue without the player's input. And with books, um, you're just like interpreting words inside your head. You're like imagining all the stuff going on. The words are are just uh, giving you a guide unless they like exhaustively describe everything and everyone, which most books don't. No. Yeah, and there are, I'm trying to think of like examples of like, I mean, I guess Witcher and Metro are are, are good ones, but... uh, books that have become video games and have sort of been able to do that without the help of movies like the lord of the rings games obviously had the help of the movies and harry potter i guess there was a i didn't ever played them but there was a bunch of dune games in the 80s and 90s yeah, weren't yeah, there that's a pretty good and uh, there were lord of the rings games before the movies there was a text adventure yeah that's right yeah 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 uh, neuromancer um, was an adventure game exactly yeah yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, that's a good example. I have no mouth and I must scream, but that was adapted by the original author, so that's right. That's yeah. a borderline example. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if we get. It just feels like now the kinds of uh, books that are written, like the the path, almost seems to it, it becomes a movie or a TV show first, and then maybe becomes a game second. Whereas, mm. you know, I think Witcher is a specific example. Just and there were Witcher movies in Poland, I think, before the Witcher games, probably. No doubt. Yeah. That doesn't count. <laughs> sorry, that's, I'm, that's so, I'm sorry, Tommy Salty. <laughs> foreign film. <laughs> oh, yes, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a text adventure, of course. Mm. Again, yeah. that was like the original Great creator example. adapted. I think the more the more interesting Douglas Adams text adventure was Bureaucracy. Ooh, never played that one. That was a one he made with Infocom while he was with them making Hitchhiker's Guide. It's a... Very funny game about someone trying to navigate a hideously bureaucratic system without dying from increased blood pressure. Perfect. That sounds great. It's a it's a little known hidden Douglas Adams gem if you're a fan of Douglas Adams's books. Worth seeking out. That's probably one that you got to go to abandonware.com or whatever oh, that yes. website was. No <laughs> doubt. You're never going to buy that from anywhere <laughs> these days for loved nor money. <laughs> well uh i think that will about wrap it up so thanks for watching slightly something else and thanks for all the super chats as always it uh, it's uh what supports the site keeps us going uh i was yati crotal i was joined by matty sleever thank you so much for having me and i will see you all tomorrow when zero punctuation comes out and when we do the post cp stream this week zero punctuation is on back for blood actually so my my favorite book adaptation so tune in for that i would say video game adaptation of another video game oh my god we're we're through the looking glass yeah (laughs) Oh, and Nick says that uh, Casey and Jesse will be back in an hour and a half from now, and they'll be playing, uh, having a first look at Darkest Dungeon 2. Oh, yes. It's on early access now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm a big fan of Darkest Dungeons, so yeah, come back uh, 90 minutes from now. The two of them will be back, so come back and check that out. All right. We'll see you all later then. Bye, all. Bye. Bye.